Welcome to Freedom Slave Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Welcome to episode 51 of the Freedom Slave podcast. Ever wondered how to balance lots of things or how to pull off a successful launch of your product or service? If so, you'll love this episode as today's guest wears all the hats and just had a very successful launch. He's a designer, a wardrobe stylist, art director, creative consultant, and much more. Along with her titles, he's also a sweet and wise friend of mine. And in this episode, Perry's getting into her launch. She's talking about the lessons she's learned along the way in her 10-year career, along with some must-know information about truly knowing who it is that you're serving and how to serve them best. So I think you're going to learn a whole lot in this episode, and I'm super excited for you to meet Perry so you can find out just how amazing she is as well. So without further ado, let's dive in. Perry, 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 welcome to Freedom Slave Podcast. Hello. I'm excited to have you on. I've already shared a brief introduction, but can you tell us a bit about how you got started and what you do in your own words? I know you started back in 2010. Yeah. Well, I I like to refer to myself as a ratchet, righteous dreamer and doer because I feel like that really outlines exactly who I am. But I'm a creative. I wear the hat of designer. My baby is Go The Label, which started April 13th, 2010, officially. But it's it's encompassed so many things along this journey. I'm also a wardrobe stylist. I'm also a creative director. It's literally like hashtag, et cetera. But it all really falls under the creative umbrella, ultimately. But designer definitely comes first. Mm-hmm. I love the hashtag, et cetera. That's hilarious. <laughs> And I know you started off like doing custom shoe designs and custom jewelry and all of that. Like yes. how, how did that convert into what you're doing today? Well, the love of shoes has been around since my inception. I like to, I like to think it's been a love of mine or something that I've appreciated basically all of my life. So I used to customize just about everything growing up, which got me into a lot of trouble when I was younger, to be honest, because I would cut up brand new things. And my mom would be like, what the hell? (laughs) We just bought this. But in an effort to express myself and be unique, I would alter the way things looked. So naturally, when I went to college, I did the same thing with shoes. Just for myself, again, as expression, when you're in university, you don't have a whole lot of money to be purchasing anything really, but definitely not clothing. So I buy cheap shoes and then revamp them. And then one day I decided to make a Facebook album. And the response was insane. So the business started just like that. I started to revamp shoes for just about every occasion for just about every person, weddings, proms, birthdays, and everything else in between. What were you doing? Like bejeweling them or like what what was happening? All kinds of things. (laughs) Strap removals, adding things on. I was really well known for beaded heels. I just did a lot of things to the shoes. And it's quite prevalent now. I've seen a lot of people kind of take their own spin and stab at that, like painting sneakers and all of that. But it just wasn't very prevalent back then. So mm-hmm. at least for that I saw. I love it. And I love that you mentioned a Facebook album. I haven't heard that in a minute. So yeah, that's how you that's, know this has been a thing. Been a thing. Quite, yeah, quite a fossil move there. 
<laughs> I love how children are just so creative. I heard you talking about cutting up clothes your parents just bought. I remember oh, yeah. my daddy used to have shirts in his dress and when he was sleeping, I used to cut them up for my size Barbies. And like <laughs> children just do things, right? I used to sell well, I used to sell his belts on the side of the street. That wasn't creative. I was oh, wow. creative trying to make money, right? As a child. <laughs> they, they probably thought I was homeless. But the thing is, what I love is that you took that creativity from childhood and it never left. Like you could develop it and grow it because I know my my size Barbie things would not be making it on anybody's shelf so I mean (laughs) (laughs) I always say who we are is who we've always been and usually the areas that you are quite proficient in are the things that are close to you and if you really examine it you've always been that person we've always been those people like look you just said you were selling things at an early age okay now look how successful you are at selling things so I feel like who we are is who we've always been and I just learned not to fight that really early on. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the way, many have learned to suppress that desire to do what it is that they love, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that many of us have found our way through it. And you, like me, you were born and raised in Bermuda. Yes. What was that? What's up, Miami? That was a vacuum. Let me do that again. And you also, you spent so many years in Toronto, which is in Canada. I'm sure everybody knows that, but just in case. So how do you think those things, like growing up in Bermuda, being raised in Bermuda, going to school in Bermuda, and then moving to Toronto for such a long time, how do you think those two countries, well, Canada and Bermuda countries, Toronto, the city, right? How do you think they've played a role in who you are today and the things you create? Well, home is home, right? So home always has, for most people, a really soft spot in your heart, but if you visited Bermuda or you are Bermudian, you know how warm it is here, not just in climate, but the people are very warm. And on top of that, it's very beautiful here, not just by beaches, but our homes are very colorful. And I feel like that inspiration has really been embedded in me, that warmth. I'm very inspired by it. So that's home. And then the city is completely on the other end of the spectrum where it's fast paced, It is very diverse. That's one thing I can say about Toronto. It's a melting pot. So you don't necessarily have to travel the world to meet all different kinds of people because you really do have those experiences in that city, as you do in many cities. But Toronto is known to be very diverse, which is absolutely true. So being exposed to all of those different cultures at the age of 18 really did inspire me. So having that coupled with the colorfulness of home really was like an amalgamation of something that I wasn't quite sure what to do with at the time, but it really did come across in the way I express myself. And I'm grateful for that experience because the city, any city teaches you how to hustle. Everything's fast paced. People are on the move. It's a lot, but when you're younger, it works, right? So I'm currently in Bermuda. And when I relocate back to Toronto again, or to Canada again, I should say, I probably will be in the GTA, which is the greater Toronto area. The city life is just not for me anymore. It's too hustle and bustle and too quick. And to be honest, that part of my life is done. <laughs> so they've inspired me a lot, but I'm, I'm also ready to move to the next chapter. So are you saying things like a New York and an LA are off the table because they are super fast paced as well? Not at all, but living in the heart of a city, it's just, it doesn't drive me anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a different pace to life in the city. And of course, you still do business there. You may even have, you know, an office there. All of that's fine. But to live and have all of your being in a city, it's just not for me anymore like that. 
I've lived in the city for so long, right? My last stint in the city was five years straight and I lived right in the downtown core. So you have party goers, you have drunkenness, you have the hustle and, and it's fine, right? If that's the life that you live, I've loved it for so long. But in graduating in my thoughts, it's just kind of like, I know what this is for and I know that I don't want to live in this, in the core of it, I should say, anymore. Totally. But that's also knowing yourself, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, totally get it all. Because at first I'm thinking you mean like, yeah, Toronto acts off, right? But you mean you can work in the city, you still, you know, make your connections, network and things like that in the city. But as far as the living part of it, got it. I need to be in the burbs now. Totally get it. Yeah, I've been in Bermuda since December. It's July now. And I don't know, the reset of the slow calmness of home has really put things in perspective for me especially with COVID where everything is slowed down even more mm-hmm. I don't know it's just it's it's kind of repositioned my thinking like we can get things done but I very much value the home that I'm in and the sanctuary that I have and city life is just not it not for me not anymore mm-hmm. um, but we'll still do some good work in the city don't get me wrong <laughs> For sure. And I agree with the hustle and bustle and the ability to go to somewhere where it is slower pace. I mean, I'm heading back to Bermuda soon, but Mm -hmm. I'm in Nova Scotia. So we are in one of the smallest provinces. So even though I'm in the city of Halifax, it's one of the smallest provinces in Canada. So it is relatively slow pace compared to other cities. But I get, because when you do or around people or around an area, I should say, because the cities have energies, right? So around the energy of like a slower pace environment, your creativity just gets to a different peak because you aren't consumed with all the input that's coming in or what is it called? Stimuli. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's coming mm-hmm. in from all the way. So yeah, I totally get it. And I know your business is threefold. So you have the styling piece and you've worked with people like Kelly Rowland, Megan Trainer, mm-hmm. Shan Boudram. I never get her last name, but her Shan Booty. <laughs> with the YouTube channel. And you do the marketing side of things and with the campaign rollouts for companies. And you finally have the design piece which you said that has your heart where you have your clothing and your totes and your custom jewelry and most recently the shade so I have to mm-hmm. ask like you know well you already told us already that you have a favorite side of things but how do you pick and choose which side to pour your energy into in any given season it depends on the nature of the project I'm presented with if it's client-based or if it's something that I'm looking to do, I really pay attention to where my heart is at at the time. Design is always first and foremost. That is, I believe, my gift back to this life. I feel like that's where my talent is most proficient. I'm good at a lot of other things and I believe in doing all the things. I actually created a sweatshirt that says do all the things because I believe in emptying yourself. So I will for sure do all of the things that I'm good at and take the time to learn how I can be better in those things. But I'm, I've spent enough time with myself to know what has my heart and what will get most of my attention. Wardrobe styling is a close second. I love creating characters with people. I think that's really exciting, whether it's commercial based, music video based, editorial, you get to tell a story, which is then over at the end of the project, which I really like. So I, I low key get to be like an actor for a sec. You know, you like take on this role and then at the end of the project, you get to be somebody else. I think that's really cool. Um, <laughs> I know that's like a weird way to think about it, but I really do appreciate that process. It is a lot of work. I remember sharing that with my mom once and she actually came to set with me once and it was a nine hour shoot. And she was like, yeah, never doing this again. Kudos to you. 
So it is a lot of work, but it's very intense and then it's over. Unless, of course, you're like on a TV set where it's your costume design and that's different. But yeah, I, I move with where I'm at at the time or what the project requires. Because sometimes if I'm wardrobe styling, sometimes I'm designing for those projects too. So it just, it just depends on what is required in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate the piece where you're saying it's a lot of work because some people see it, they see the glitz, they see the glamour and they don't realize the work that goes in. And I haven't been on the side where I'm styling or behind the lens, but I've been in front of the lens mm-hmm. and I've heard people say where it's like, oh, you know, modeling's easy or this is easy. And it's like, no, not only are you dealing with the elements, mm-hmm. but it's long days. It's so many yeah. elements that get involved in it. So could you share like, what is the piece of it that people don't see? Because it is sexy, right? From the outside looking in, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, he gets to hang around people and dress them up like they're mannequins. And to them, they may think it's super easy. So what is the mm-hmm. piece that they aren't seeing, the running and all that? Well, with my quotes and invoices, I break it up into three parts so that my clients can see exactly where the hours are divvied up. So there's pre-production, production, and post-production. And production sometimes is the shortest one and I just said like I've been on set for nine hours at one point so in the sun so you can just imagine what that's like managing like 12 people because I was also for that particular shoot I was also the creative director so depending on the the hat I'm wearing as well I'm very busy because it's not just styling the shoot it's carrying the whole concept it's it's liaising with the photographers. It's making sure the assistants have the models dressed. It's making sure people have water. It's overseeing hair and makeup. It's all of that plus wardrobe styling, right? So I have to have an assistant because if not, I will lose my head. But that's just for production, right? And that could go one of two ways. It could be rainy. It could be a lot of different things that come with production. But before you even get there, you have pre-production where you are sending emails back and forth. You are securing locations if you are the creative director or taking more of a leadership role on the project. You are doing wardrobe polls, right? (laughs) Which involves paperwork. You have to keep all of your receipts. If you're working with a budget, you have to make sure that you get paid, your assistant gets paid, the location is paid for, and that there's, there's money to still float. Sometimes you come out of pocket early. So styling, in, well, to speak of the, cre- the creative process of wardrobe styling, you need money to start off with and that you, you get that back later. But you have to have that starting off because sometimes you need to purchase things for the shoot. And then, of course, you are reimbursed afterwards when you submit your receipts. But it's this whole process, right? So that's pre-production, production. And then there's post where of course you have to reconcile all of the paperwork. You have to return all of the clothing. If anything is damaged, you have to go to the cleaners. It's like this whole thing, right? And then there's, because there's more, hashtag, et cetera. (laughs) With one of my clients, I was actually writing the style stories as well. So after I did the photo selections, liaised with the photographer, liaised with the client, we're all on the same page about it fitting the story that they want to publish. I then wrote all of the copy that matched the looks that I put together. So it's like this whole thing, depending on the hat you're wearing and the job description that's allotted to you for that project. So people pick up the magazine and see the end result. They're like, this is cool. It probably gets their attention for maybe five minutes and then that's it. But it's so much that goes into it prior and you know what I enjoy it (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm glad you enjoy it. And I hope this gives people an appreciation too for all the things that happen behind the scenes, especially because those who are listening are business owners or entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? So at some point in time, you're going to require a shoot for something, whether it's for your website, for you, yeah. or it may be for your product, like a style shoot for your product, because that exists too. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be able to not just understand what's happening behind the scenes, but be able to see value in it. And when you get those yeah. invoices, don't be disrespectful. So I want people to get that there are some lessons you've taught already, right? Mm-hmm. Just in you speaking, it's two ones that I picked up initially. And that is the first one is the importance of reflection and being able to understand who you are as an individual and honor that piece, which usually comes in times of quiet or calm, or, you know, that's really when creativity peaks, when you're able to pause and slow down for a bit. So I need people to understand that there's grace in slowing down. So often everyone's trying to race to the top and it's like, where are you going? You know, Mm -hmm. and how long are you going to be there when you get there? Because yourself that piece. So I appreciate that you mentioned that often where you're like, no, I get myself. I know myself. I, you know, I love the slowdown like that. You mentioned it. And then the other thing you mentioned briefly, but I was able to pick up on is being able to break down the value because the problem is many people are sharing their invoices or sharing their dollar figures and they aren't able to articulate how they are getting to that figure or why it's worth that. Right. (laughs) And the fact that you figured out a way to break down the value because you get that people don't know all the behind the scenes at pre and post production. And all they think they're being charged for is the production. It's like, no, 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 no. Let me let you know how this works. Yeah. So those of you who are listening, I mean, even if this isn't your industry, which it likely may not be, you still have to be able to break down that value. And I don't mean necessarily in an invoice, it doesn't have to be there, but you have to be able to break it down so that people know why they need to be hiring you. What is it that you're bringing to the table and being Mm -hmm. able to articulate that in a way where they know they need it, right? Yes, agreed. So listening to you say that and saying the uh, pre-production and post that tells me already that you know what you're doing, right? That it's not just some, um, let's go out there and dress you to make you look cute. And that's all that that's where yeah. your you know, focus <laughs> lies. You know, all the other pieces that are involved as well, because you are a marketing major. We didn't talk about that, but yeah, you are. No. <laughs> right? So there's that piece as well. So yeah. All, all for that. Would you say like the fashion industry is a bit difficult one to break into? Cause we've all heard horror stories about, you know, the cutthroatness of fashion. So have you experienced that? Yeah, it's definitely small fish, big pond. But you, again, to the point that you just reiterated, you have to know yourself and you have to know what you're bringing to the table because there's nothing new under the sun but you. So if you know yourself enough and you show up in those spaces as yourself, people will either connect to you or they won't. And I found that people who want to work with me, of course, appreciate my work, but we have an established connection based off of being personable. I show up and I'm personable, you know, we don't have personal conversations about things, but when, when there's a vibe, there's a vibe. I mean, to, to dumb it down, basically show up as yourself. So no matter how cutthroat it is, if you're doing good work and you're genuine, people will pay attention to that. And then in time you will grow in rankings. You'll, you'll rise in rankings and your opinion about things will then be even more welcomed because there's a trust there. But people don't trust people that they don't know, right? And people don't trust people that they don't connect with. At least they shouldn't anyway. 
So it's very difficult, but every industry is, right? Nothing worth having is easy to come by. So I feel like, as we say in Bermuda, stick to the wicket, or as they say in cricket, I should say, you stick to the wicket, right? You, you stick to your guns about things and you have to be authentic, but that starts at home. Spend some time by yourself, figure out the things that you like and you don't like. So then when you show up in these spaces, you know exactly how you want to be and who you are while you're there. So I guess that's my, my two cents on that. It, mm-hmm. It's Five extremely cents, hard. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's extremely hard, but I've had repeat positions arise, whether I was the lead or an assistant in the styling world where people just want to work with you because you do good work, you're reliable. And then in time, you may have some side chats where they're like, oh yeah, this is cool. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is people who are in business in whatever facet, are forever reading people. They're forever reading you because it's about dollars and cents. Is this person going to make me money? Are they, a, you know, are they an asset or are they a liability? So as long as you're genuine and you do no funny business, you'll be back. Mm-hmm. And ensuring that you aren't just wasting their time and understanding that, you know, just showing up is never enough. You have to, no. to actually perform. And if you can overperform or outperform, right? And yeah. also the piece of understanding that you're not for everybody. So that there may too. be people who you could be sweet as pie to and be your authentic self. And they don't like your sweet as pie, authentic self. And that's okay. You know, yeah. you don't like every type of pie. At least I hope you don't because then you don't have much <laughs> discretion, right? So it's like understanding that we are for everybody. And that's not just clients, but that's also connections or people who you may look up to or you see in your mm-hmm. industry who you may think are dope because of the work they produce. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a great vibe with you, right? So exactly. Yeah. Totally get it. Now, I know from personal experience with my recent product-based venture, the best period menstrual cup piece, that creating a physical product isn't without its many challenges, right? (laughs) I I feel like singing that piece again. So tell me, what have been the most challenging parts of this piece as far as your design and aspect of your business? We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Um, all of it. <laughs> it really I feel is, it. <laughs> it's a process literally from beginning to end and the the journey doesn't end the second you have your product because then there's again a shoot there's marketing there's customer services there's this whole thing but in terms of production getting the sampling right so we can mass produce is the trickiest sizing and measurements are very tricky online (laughs) i'm not i haven't visited my factory they are in asia so we do a lot of back and forth 
to even get the sizing right before we even go to the next phase, right? So this is still digital. We're, we're, we haven't even moved to three-dimensional. You know, it's not even physical yet. Sorting that out is a task. And then coloring with the last product drop, the Zion sunglasses, the first samples were completely wrong. The poolsicle shade which is an aqua blue with a duck egg temple over the ear. When they were first created, the blue was completely off. They looked like tourist sunglasses. I was like, oh, absolutely not. But you have to pay for each sample, right? And that's a process. So sampling is the trickiest for me by far. But then when you see something actualized, it's like, damn it, this whole thing was worth it because you've seen something that you thought into existence now exist. And then, you know, you do your campaign rollout and then people love it. It's just like the whole thing is worth it. But it's months of trial and error, which takes a lot of money and patience and and time, so much time. (laughs) For sure. And I remember in all my naivety when I was starting, I'm like, okay, well, in my mind, I knew it was going to be more pieces to this, That, but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I can draw it, get a sample, and then get it, right? Like, this is the three main pieces I'm thinking. I'm like, I draw yeah. a sample, you're going to nail it the first go round, you know, everything's going to be perfect, <laughs> and all of these, and you had mentioned, you know, you pay for each sample. I don't pay, like, for money, because they have all my dollars for creating this crap, right? Not crap, mm-hmm. it's amazing, but <laughs> they have my dollars Frustration for Frustration so will do that. Exactly. I don't pay in money, but I pay in time. So every time something needs to be tweaked, you know, you're not waiting for that to be tweaked and things to be changed. And it's so much time in between it. But I love that. Well, people who are about their business anyway, and not just doing it to put a product on the shelf to make money. I love that we are looking at the things and we're making sure that it comes out exactly how we want it. And if that color sure. looks like it's tourist glasses, then we're going to send it back regardless of what it looks like on the other end for us as far as time and money, because we want to put out the best product for our audience. And that's an mm-hmm. important lesson as well, understanding that you can't rush the process, right? So no. yeah, I, I like that a lot. It's an now, extension of you at the end of the day. It has Mm -hmm. to speak to, for those who are in business that are artist-based, it's an extension of you and what you want to say in that time. And you have to be proud of it. It has to, it has to line up with the real you, you know, because you can't stand by something you don't really trust. And that's anything in life, but your product, the thing that you're birthing for sure needs to look like you. So why would you okay something that is a little bit off and then be stuck with that forever or to not Mm. have a profit because you felt it was off. And if you know your customers really well, they might think it's off too. So then it may not even perform well. So then you've just wasted a lot of things by not getting it right the first time. So, Mm -hmm. and you know why a lot of people, or at least I feel like a lot of people don't, you know, tweak all the things, because I mean, there are some things that will come back to me, for instance, and I think like any, anybody else looking at this will probably be like, it's fine. When I tell you I switched something for a millimeter, something was off by a millimeter. I'm like, yeah, I need this changed, right? And But I think the problem is many people are afraid to ruffle feathers, especially as it relates to talking with no. manufacturers and you know thinking <laughs> it may damage the relationship. But for me, it's like my relationship with my clients, with the audience, with the purchasers is so much stronger and needs to be so much stronger than that relationship with the manufacturer. So their feelings can get hurt as long as it doesn't mean my audience's feelings is getting hurt. Yes. You know? So if that's going to prevent it, then let's fix it. You know, So don't be afraid to speak mm-hmm. your mind when things aren't right, especially 
actually because like Perry said, it's going to be a reflection of you. And I yeah. think this is a personality thing because neither of For us sure. are afraid <laughs> to speak our mind. <laughs> like if we have a problem with something, we're going to say it and not just say it, but we're going to make sure it gets fixed too. And like I said, many people are afraid to speak up. So yeah. what would you even say to those individuals then who are like, not necessarily shy, but they lack the confidence to be like, no, that's not what I want. Can you change it? They're a bit timid. Yeah. I mean, I think it really is personality based, but I do know some more reserved people who still have their voice. And I think it ultimately boils down to knowing what you want. And to your earlier point about the end user, your connection is to them at the end of the day. They are the ones that keep your business afloat, whether it's service-based or product-based, right? Mm -hmm. And even if you're operating in the service sphere, you're still going to have to create something that they can see at some point. So you're still operating, we're still operating in the same space at some point in time, whether it's for a photo shoot or creating online content, all of those things have to be right. And you may have to outsource that. So my advice to them is to find your voice. It doesn't have to be loud, it doesn't need to be super stern, but it needs to be your voice. And you need to articulate that and express that to get what you want in life, not just in your business, but in general. And not have the fear of burning a bridge because truthfully, that won't happen if you have the communication clear and you have it concise because it's not personal in business. Your manufacturer or the provider of whatever service you're using to then occupy in your business, those people just want to get paid. They don't care, you know, so they're going to do what you tell them. So if you don't tell them to do it right, they're going to give you what it is and then you're left with this. So it's not necessarily about protecting feelings. Their feelings aren't in it, I can promise you. And if their feelings are, then you know, maybe reconsider who you're working with because it's never personal in business. At least it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So I have that standpoint where it's like, well, I'm going to pay you and you're going to give me product. So if I'm going to give you all of this money, you're going to give me what I want. And if that costs me a little bit more money, that's fine. But as long as I'm paying for this, I'm going to get what I want. And I'm that same person, whether I'm at the restaurant, whether I'm buying shoes. I mean, my friends roll roll their (laughs) eyes and like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm paying for it. And it's all in how you say it, right? You don't have exactly. to be mean about it. You don't exactly. have to be contentious, but you do have to get your point across. Cause if not, the only person who suffers is you and, and then like your to- end user. Mm-hmm. And I like that you mentioned before, and you mentioned it again just now, like you don't have to be stern, you don't have to be contentious, you don't have to be rude, right? No. So it is in your tone, it is in the things that you say. And a lot of times many think that to ask someone to redo something, or they think they're being a nuisance, they think that that is being rude, but understand that that's just speaking up, like you had mentioned, like you have to be able to find that voice. And I mean, I'm the same way in a restaurant, Dean puts his head down because <laughs> a mentor once told me, a mentor once told me that a menu is just a guide and since she told me that Vio used to always mix and change and add sauces where they don't belong anyway but once she told me that I felt like it was a free ticket to just switch everything I'm like well this doesn't say potatoes but like I see potatoes in this dish so they have potatoes yeah after. as Let's long give as it a go. On the, yeah as long Look, as it's on the menu yeah. somewhere don't be asking for broccoli and they don't have broccoli listen like, well exactly <laughs> 
Yeah, you have to act for what they have, right? But exactly. it's also understanding that the worst they can say is no. If you speak with your manufacturer and let's say you want to, I'm looking at my, I'm in my closet. So I'm looking at my husband's huge size 15 shoe, work shoe right now. <laughs> and, you know, if you are designing size 15 black work shoes, leather work shoes or whatever, and that's what you wanted to do. And then you, you know, they designed it and you're like, you know what? I want to turn it into a heel and they don't do heels. Well, you can at least ask, right? That's the least, exactly. like the least, the worst they can say is no. And you aren't going to be in any exactly. different of a position because you don't have it anyway. So yeah, exactly. I love it. And or many, you might be there first and mm-hmm. that's fine too. Cause then they're willing to work with you and then you establish this new connection with them and they're willing to work with you even more. Cause now it's this new either line or product extension that they didn't have before. So it's ultimately more money for them. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. there's never any harm in asking. You're either going to get a yes or no. And many people who love what it is that they do, they actually enjoy the challenge. Like you go to a restaurant and you ask the chef to create, like, I know when I was first eating vegan, like way back when, when I went there, I'm like, oh, can the chef just prepare anything? This is what I don't eat. He can make whatever. They actually, some of them came on and they actually enjoy doing that, right? Because they're Uh, like, I make the same thing over and over again. And just using this analogy and bringing it back, like does they enjoy the process? Like working with my engineer right now with the menstrual cups, I've completely redesigned what I thought I originally wanted. I've changed the stem because I want it to be easy grip. Like so many different things that they've never done before. I'm switching it up and they enjoy the process because it's also teaching them new skills and they get to exactly what it is that they do. So don't ever feel as if you are a burden on someone you're paying. Okay. Okay. Thank you. It's never <laughs> personal. I stick by that. Yep. <laughs> And many were throwing the towel when things start to get difficult. So when things aren't going well, or you find yourself encountering these challenges, what are the things that you do to continue to push forward? I take a break for sure. If I feel like I'm hitting a wall for a bit, one of my favorite things to do is to close the laptop and put on something funny. I need a laugh or, you know, just the release in that way. Um, I know that sounds maybe really trivial or small, but that really works for me. No, that taking a, taking a step back to just get my head right. Because if I'm, if I'm going in circles and there's really no progress, the only thing that's going to happen is um, the increase of my frustration. And that's not healthy for anyone. So I take a break when I, I feel a little bit overwhelmed of things, or if I feel like I'm hitting some roadblocks, I just literally take a break. And in that time, I'm able to better evaluate how I can tackle this from another direction. So I've, I've mentioned this on social, so I can share it here. Um, Gold the Label is moving into footwear as well. So there's newly eyewear and, of course, footwear. And that process is a brand new beast. And I've, I've been very emotional with this process where it's, it's just a new journey, right? Figuring out new lines, figuring out where you have to give and take with material, you know, where a foot may bend or it's just a lot which can change the overall design of things. And I've had to just take a minute to step back and regroup. And it's also, I think I've mentioned this to you as well. It's changed the way I look at deadlines. Because normally I would set a deadline and I would move backwards from that deadline, you know, knowing that this all has to be done by this date. With this process, I'm just like, well, I don't even know. (laughs) Because we're now set back so much with COVID and then, of course, the hiccups we're facing. This is going to come about when it's going to come about. And you know who's good with that? Me. 
you know? So it's also learning how to pivot and reposition in those times that really give you peace when you are facing hardships within your process, whatever that is. So the main thing is to just not stop. You can pause for a bit to kind of catch your breath and regroup, but don't ever stop because then the thing has defeated you and that was never its purpose. Its purpose was to grow you mm-hmm. and to, yeah, to grow you and to nurture you and to be an outlet for you to express whatever it is that you are offering to this world. So it shouldn't stop you. Mm-hmm. And pausing actually allows you to gain momentum. It allows you to regroup and come back stronger, whereas stopping kills that momentum. And, you know, you can't fail if you don't stop, right? So even if you're picking it up days, months, weeks later, you still aren't able to fail because you aren't going to stop until it succeeds. And I don't think people right. get that. There's one thing you forgot that I know you do that helps you a lot, which is prayer. Oh, yeah. I pray about <laughs> everything everything i pray about it i start my day with that if i'm feeling overwhelmed i pray god is an integral part if not the key moving thing in this whole operation for me it's how i stay level-headed it's where i get my advice from i always say that god is the ceo of my business and i just work for him it's he's he's it for me (laughs) you know and i find a lot of power in that. And I know that's not everyone's thing, but it is for sure my thing. Prayer reveals a lot. And it doesn't always change the situation, but it changes you in the situation, which I think is very key. Because some things just have to play out the way they do. And in hindsight, you're like, oh, this had to happen because this had to happen. But in the moment, of course, that's not clear. But you change in the situation, which is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Your your viewpoint, um, your vantage point changes completely on how you tackle this problem versus just getting frustrated. No, I hope you're listening. So that's prayer. That is pausing and watching something funny, shutting down the work, shutting down the laptop. Let's and for her to help. Listen, prayer, so prayer pause, and playtime. Play look go. at that. There we go. <laughs> All is that marketing? <laughs> there we go. And your name's Perry. So look at that. The Perry's three Ps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I know you've recently had a very successful launch, bringing in mm-hmm. 20K in just a couple hours, which is dope, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited. And that was with the launch of your Zion collection of eyewear. The eyewear that she mentioned was so many hiccups and mistakes at the beginning, and she made sure they came through perfect. How did that feel? I know so many people are excited. I, you know, excited about it. I was super excited for you. And people <laughs> want to know, like, how did that feel? Because I know you've been working on this and working on your brand for so long. So how did this feel for you? It was amazing watching this. And of course, I've been at this for 10 years. So of course, the business makes money, but never that much that quick. <laughs> um, to see, you know, 10 grand hit the account in 20 minutes was insane. And I know, of course, other businesses have a different sort of growth strategy and have seen the same sort of thing tenfold, but that was a first for Gold the Label in this sort of way. So it was a moment of gratefulness, to be honest, because all of the time and effort and precision and meticulousness, it all makes sense in that moment when the end user, the one that you're connecting with anyway, loves the work. That's the point, right? Of Mm -hmm. course, there's the money aspect and the financial gain in that, which is 
a byproduct of it. But the connection is really what it is for me. Because of course, I feel like every gift that we have and everything that we're giving is a vehicle for something else. If you're driven just by money, I don't want to judge that, but I'm not driven just by money, right? I'm very excited to receive it. But I feel like everything we give to this life is a vehicle carrying something bigger. So for that, that for me, having that sort of connection to my end users that I call the girl gang, what up girl gang, was great. You know, I have such a connection with them that is really special. And that's a driver for me. So yeah, it was exciting. I mean, to bring it back, sorry, it was exciting, but it was, it was more so the connection than the financial gain. Uh huh. And that's something that we need to understand. And listeners, I need you guys to get this. It's so much more important, the value that the person's getting back. So in this case, the value they're getting back is dope glasses to put on their face and being super excited about it. Right. And mm-hmm. like, even for the cubicle ditch academies, like, and even other launches, like they've been amazing and it's lots of money in a short bit of time. But at the end of the day, it's the results that get me excited. It's how excited they are when they go through the program. It's the testimonials, yeah. you know, it's, this, it's the messages where it's like, Oh my God, I did this new thing and it's doing amazing. That's yeah. what really feeds you. Right. And mm-hmm. the money, again, the money's great because the money allows you to do even more things that bring back that bigger value to your community at the end of the exactly. day. Exactly. And it allows exactly. you to do more. So money is always a vehicle, right? Money is money, money is a vehicle for you to do yeah. even more amazing things in your business. But the real joy doesn't come from the money that's going to your wallet. Again, money's great. Nothing draws the money. But the joy comes from seeing those that you are creating something for, whether that's a service-based something or a physical product-based something. It's seeing that value being presented to them and them excited about that and that connection, like Perry mentioned. So love it. Nothing's wrong with money. I just want to put that out there. It's a great positive reinforcement. (laughs) <laughs> it, no, yeah money is amazing and it's going to continue to flow to both of us amen but amen. Like, <laughs> but that is not the first thing for anything no. and i think even those of you who are listening because now i'm going to go on a mini tangent bear with me so <laughs> even those of you who are listening i want you when you're thinking about we're going to talk about a rollout in a second i've got a question for for perry but when you're thinking about rollouts or even to create a service or a product or whatever it is I don't want you to immediately start thinking about what your financial goal is. I don't want you to say, so as soon as you're starting, okay, I want to create something. and I want my goal to be hundred K from this product or service. No mm. negative backup. Who's your audience? How can you serve them? How can you best present that service to them? How can you best package it? What value can they get? And then from there, you can figure out all your other goals, but it's always important to start with your audience in mind. And I find that those that start with the money in mind never reach that money. So it's important to get back to that. Okay. Tension over. Your driver, your driver should never be the money, but I mean, this is just my business. It can sit in the passenger seat. Yeah. It has to be real close. It is. It's in the passenger seat, but it's not driving. (laughs) We have to make sure we're at least breaking even and moving into some sort of profit. If not, the connection to your end user is great, but now you are making no return. So there needs to be balance in that, but money cannot be the key driver. Absolutely not. 
for sure. It's got to be the passenger. So, yeah. and I mean, that could go on a whole nother tangent about knowing. Oh, you know. for sure. <laughs> and even in, in Cubicle Ditch Academy, we have a whole, well, the whole module, this one module is called Money and a Thing, but there's a whole section about knowing your numbers and the importance of being able to not just figure out your break even, but ensure you can figure out a plan to ensure that you reach that break even with your product or service. So, mm-hmm. those of you who are listening, Genate.com forward slash waitlist if you want to get into Cuba Hoodage Academy. Let's just move right along. So (laughs) (laughs) all your rollouts do well, right? But what do you think made this product launch more successful than the others in the past? Like what did you do differently with this one, you think? Honestly, I just I just think it's more time with the end user. The girl gang, we're very fond of each other. (laughs) And I know them really well. I know what they want. They are so of okay just to back up because we didn't touch on this i am a marketing major so i do understand customer profiles and creating the various characteristics and psychographics that your various customers could be and then you pick the people that you want to market to right so there is a bit of a method to the madness however i'm a creative first so although i have that sort of technical training i create for people like me at the end of the day and they are the girls that like 90s R&B you know they are the ones who isn't that everybody hold up because I I, I, who doesn't like 90s R&B like don't listen to this podcast (laughs) for everyone right so I use that as an example I'm just joking yeah yeah yeah. as a target audience I know what they want right so the marketing appeals to those in my audience so that's the music choices, that's the colorways, that's the angles, because I'm very hands-on in the production of that. Shout out to LDS Multimedia, by the way, Lara, the amazing videographer and director and producer at LDS Multimedia. Um, She's also a very good friend of mine, and we've been working together for the last 10 years. We started our business at the same time, so we've been working together forever. But this last rollout, she shot the last two videos, and that chemistry is very important. Working chemistry is very important because there's a lot of things I let her know about the treatments, but there's so many things I didn't tell her either that came to light in a way that was exactly what I wanted. So just to kind of bring this to a head of having a good working chemistry with your team is very important to a good rollout. Also knowing your target audience and what they would want to see that puts your product in the best light in their mind's eye. Because of course, with brand loyalty, they have that because your product or company is top of mind with that particular consumer. So you have to play into all of those things that you already know that your customer is looking for, not just from your brand, but in general. So one of the sunglasses, the Canyon Zions, the soundtrack for that little mini ad was Could You Be Love Bart Marley? Because it's summertime. It was a very cute little clip It was, I think, 15 seconds. I knew that I wanted them all to be very short because I also understand consumers' attention span. There's so many technical things that go into making a rollout successful, but I think with this one, it's really just the time I've had with my consumers. Some people that I do know personally, they got shoes customized. They're still buying things from me. So 10 years later, those same people who got things for their weddings and their proms have bought sunglasses. So we've spent time together and I've learned them very well to give them what they want. And so we have this really good relationship in this. So I think that's what really made this successful is the time that we've spent and the attention that I've given to what it is they want from this brand. And ultimately it's to be understood. 
right? The, I think the ads speak very well to what they want, you know? For and sure. of course, offering different options for each one of those in my, my audience. Because again, that's customer profiles. They're not all exactly the same. So not everyone wants blue sunglasses. Some people want black. So there's options for everyone. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that I'm sure you've heard Perry saying. And when I say you, I'm talking to the listeners, Perry. Because you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some things I'm sure you've heard her saying, and I want to connect them to you. She actually said the word just now because I had it in mind and I was like, oh yeah, she's talking about relationships. And then she mentioned it because the entire time she's talking about the relationship with the team. She's talking about the relationship with your audience, knowing your audience and what I like to call a PVC, which is the perfect vibe and client, which I've created like a separate whole thing I've used to break it down. But, you know, just understanding them. Whereas it's like, oh yeah, that's what they like to listen to. But you need to get so much deeper than that. She knows that they may not all want the same styles. She knows that, you know, what they'll find sexy, right? So as far as like, this, she knows their attention spans, like understanding who you're targeting. Because if you're targeting a millennial and you're trying to put out a three, four minute video, they probably aren't going to watch all the videos, no. right? And you also wasted your money then for production. So it's mm -hmm. understanding and being really smart, a smart entrepreneur, but also understanding who you are as a consumer. So smart consumers tend to be smart entrepreneurs as well. It's like, it's understanding all those pieces, but it all boils down to the relationship, the relationship with your team, the relationship with your audience, the relationship with your finances, knowing your numbers, right? All mm -hmm. of this matters to build a strong business overall. So I'm glad you brought those points home too. Mm -hmm. so, so what would you say are the must-do steps for a successful product rollout? Creativity. I find that a lot of people don't give thought to their rollout. And as bomb as your product or service could be, if it doesn't capture someone's attention, it will stay just there. So you have to think about it. You know, it's not just creating the content for the product or the service itself, like all the work that goes into that. That's what I was saying initially. It, the work does not stop after you have this tangible thing. You still now have to communicate how great this thing is to the people. Yep. And that's what takes, that just takes a little bit of time. One, of course, knowing your audience and the end user in and out, you study them, you have to study them, whether you're a new business or not, you have to study them. And that's where creating customer profiles come in. And if you don't know what those are, I mean, a quick Google search, Google is your best friend, but I can let you know, it's basically creating people, you give them a name and then you say the things that they like and you give characteristics which are psychographics to these people to understand who they might be so sally she's 27 she goes out on the weekends but she's home by nine she listens to marvin gay that kind of thing so once you now have this customer profile you're like ah sally would like canyon sunglasses so now you can market better to her so having a successful campaign rollout is really understanding who you're talking to and what they want in general, not just from your business, because then they feel understood, right? And everyone wants to be understood because I want to be understood. I don't ever want a company to feel like they just want my money because then I'm not going to give it to them. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to break that down entirely. And that starts with creativity. You have to think outside of the box. How can I reach these people in a way that other people haven't? And if I'm doing it in a way that other people have, where's my sauce? What, what splash am I giving to this? What spice am I adding to this that makes it unique to my brand? And no one can tell you that. You have to figure that out on your own. And that takes time to just sit 
and give some effort. Many people just don't give effort. They slap the thing on their bed sheet. They take a picture of it and they put it on the internet. And it's like, God, no, stop that. Not it's horrible lighting. Not the, but- not the bed sheet. <laughs> I say that because it's an actual thing I see all the time. Please do not show me your bathing suits for the first time on a, a, a bed sheet. Put it on a person. <laughs> Give it good lighting. Add some, some props to this. I'm big on props. You know, like jazz it up, make it appealing. But again, I can't expect everyone to be there because I, of course, do have a marketing background and I do know what is appealing and what isn't. But if you don't know how to do that, hire someone, spend the money, get the good end product because where you invest, there will be a return. So if you're hiring the right people, if you're hiring the right people, for sure. I get so passionate about it because no, and it's great information, it's, right? It's so it's unfortunate. <laughs> and the creativity piece and the planning, taking the time to plan is important. And when I say a plan, I don't mean just writing down the day you're going to launch and you know who may share it on their Instagram and what post no. you're going to put up. That ain't it, right? And even the client profile is a great place to start as well. And I like to dive even further. Have the conversations with those who have already purchased from you, right? That's Take true. it a step further. Create a diary entry from this individual. What are their fears? What keeps them up at night? What do they enjoy? What are their aspirations? Like learn all the things. Where are they hanging out online? You know, so you really have to learn who this person is and it's so many other aspects that go into like a pvc deep dive but getting that client profile is essential for you to to figure out what it is that they'd enjoy what it is they'd find value in and Mm -hmm. what it is that they'd want to work with you on and it's something that you mentioned earlier too about the client loyalty when you're able to do this correctly you're going to get those repeat customers and i guess that it's so much cheaper to keep a customer than it is to find Mm -hmm. a new one. And so many people are trying to, you know, go and find new customers and get new followers on Instagram. They still got to know, like, and trust you first. So you got to build them up to a person, right? So they cost more and they aren't necessarily the ones that are going to be buying right away. So it's so many aspects to this. And the further out you can begin planning these and getting super creative with them, the better. I like, I'm a big, I'm a big, big, big fan of like guerrilla marketing as well and Mm -hmm. especially because as small business owners many people don't have a big budget but Mm -hmm. guerrilla marketing is so impactful that's why some of the biggest brands apple and you know mcdonald's and procter and gamble are starting to take part in it which are really inexpensive sometimes free ways for those of you who are listening who are like what the heck is guerrilla marketing is g-u-i-l-l-a mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. So really impactful innovative ways that make people stop in their tracks and an example of this would be like when i went to the apple store last year and when the new iphone 11s came out i literally put my website on every single thing it took me five minutes and it cost me nothing this is like something small right you can write your yeah. name there you could if you have a lipstick you could draw a giant lipstick on with chalk in the middle of the road and get people's attention with the website and stuff like that. There's so many ways that we can be innovative for next to nothing. But That's I feel true. like, but I do also feel like, I don't know, maybe it's because we have a creative mind possibly, but I think that it's all, it could, you could Google some ideas if you don't yeah. have them, right? Mm-hmm. So I it's just awareness. Like it's the lack of, it is, and it's the lack of effort sometimes with these rollouts. And we're only sharing this because we want to see you have a successful one, right? Like not to like take down any of the past, but it's to assist you to have some great ones going forward now that you know this information, you know, having... 
beautiful pictures are not enough to succeed. So no, the retention yeah. methods are everywhere. It's the Starbucks loyalty card. It's the it's all of the things that these major companies do that we partake in all the time that we don't even realize. It's their way of keeping us there because attrition, getting that customer back after they've left you is a lot more work. Because now the trust is broken. They've left you for whatever reason. So you want to get them back because that's your target audience and they've spent money with you in the past, but it's so much work to get them back. And then to your earlier point, speaking to a new customer, they don't know you either. So while you have your customers build on that loyalty, and if you have a thousand loyal customers, you're good. What is his name? I talk about him all the time. He has the marketing, they call him the marketing guru starts with an ass man. What is his name? Um, Sam Golden? Golden? Seth, Seth Godin. Yeah, Seth, Seth Godin. Godin. Yeah, sorry. And I saw his too. face, like of the blonde. The, I saw it too. I saw, yeah, I the, see the orange the book head, head. And yeah, he has so many books. And what one of the things, one of his books, and one of, actually a blog post he wrote, I want to say I read it almost 10 years ago. It may have been more than that, but it was a long time ago and it was called Your First 10. And it was mm-hmm. all about mm-hmm. the importance. Familiar. Yeah, of just having 10 people because those it's almost like and I've talked about this in um, podcasts in the past too. But just in case this is your first time listening to this one, it's almost like COVID where you have that gif where you see that one person had COVID and they spread it to four people and those four people spread it to more people. And, you know, and the yeah. ten do the same thing because if you're serving that 10 and you're serving them well, and they are your loyal customers, they'll tell 10 people and they'll tell 10 people. It's true. You can literally, he literally created his first million with 10 people. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had lucky church on the podcast in the past as well. And he was talking about Bon Jovi and the importance of being faithful for those people that are with you at the beginning and rocking with you at the beginning. Yeah. When they have five and 10 people showing up at the concerts, when they started to get huge, they reserve their front row for those five or 10 people, right? Make you it have feel to. special. So you know they are turning around and telling everybody. And I remember back in 2015 when I had my book, when I wrote out my Lucky Code book, and I did a few different things. I had challenges. I had all this stuff happening. And one of the girls who was in like this pick a book cover competition I created to this day, like to this day, she has purchased absolutely everything that I created. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of, hey, Stephanie, if you're listening. So that's <laughs> one person, right? But it's so many other people I can think of. But like, this is the first person that's coming to mind because that was the yeah. very first thing that I sold. And from that, she actually won that competition. And like, I just, everything, she's an absolute everything I do so we have those two they're called the gold stars internally they I have this one lady in Miami I won't share her name but she buys everything she's incredible she gets discounts left right and center because it's it's part of the rewards program you value your loyal customers and every brand does it if you look at AMAX they have all of those lounges where they get the their clients who spend the most money with them get line bypass at concerts they get the insight on new products before they drop. Like Amex takes care of their American one percent. Yeah, American, <laughs> yes, American Express. Express sorry. They are known. Yeah, they are known for their customer their, service. Their, yeah, their rewards yeah. program is incredible. But that's one company that does that very well. No matter how small or large it is, it's paying attention to 
the loyal people and you give the effort to them instead of trying to reach the masses because you're never going to please everyone. And that's also terrible marketing because it's not niche. It's not directed. It, it's not for a set group of people. It's for everyone. And those people may be one-off buyers and mm -hmm. then that's it. It's not directed. It's not honed in on a select group of people. And that is how people fail. You should never be marketing to everyone. Mm -hmm, for sure. And it's also understanding that, because some of you may be listening, like, I'm not AMAX. I can't be giving away all this stuff for free. And it doesn't have to be, right? No. It's, like, you don't have to give discounts. You don't, like, I personally believe that discounts, and, well, not necessarily discounts, but sales specifically should be done at the top of the year. We've had that conversation because you need to, anyway, plan this stuff out in advance. But beyond that, it doesn't have to be a discount or sale either. It can be maybe some exclusivity perks. Maybe they get peeks between something maybe they get yeah like there's just so many ways that you can build that not just loyalty because you have the loyalty but build that relationship even more and create that stickiness is what they call it in marketing right I remember, yeah they do you know like when i was working at the bank like they love sticky customers so if they have you with a bank account you best believe they're going to try to cross sell you to credit cards to loans to mortgages to exactly. you know, letters of credit and all the other things because the more to leverage the loyalty exactly the more touch points they have with you the more stickiness they create which means it's harder for you to leave right so it's so many ways you can do this but it doesn't have to be money and it's all about again getting creative with the ways that you can add value to that person who's already shown you so much loyalty and shown your business more so so much loyalty so love yeah. that and you've recently shown like sneak peeks you talked about this already about your next big launch which is shoes and i'm so freaking excited oh my god I love <laughs> so excited it's been a long time coming you've been sketching them for years so how does it feel like why do you think this is the time to finally launch them how has this process been different from the other things you've created i know you started talking about that a bit earlier you know that you've brought to life but we need all the juicy details like why why now why now and how does it feel Oh, well, it feels amazing, one, to have something actualized. And I, there's no words that really can articulate how it feels. So I, I think that's the best that I can do with that. It is really exhilarating. And then why now? I have learned to trust the timing of my life. And anything that happens before it's time, you either will ruin it or you won't keep it. So as much as I wanted this to happen before, I can respect all of the lessons I needed to learn before now. And then having this come about during this very strange time in the world, not just economically, but just in general, is really interesting. But it also proves that now is the time that I have time to give to it properly. And I know that that may sound weird because it's like, well, if design is top of mind, then wouldn't you always? Yes, but I'm also busy outside of this if i'm doing a shoot or if i'm operating in hashtag etc which looks like so many things you have less time to create the quality products that you want and i don't believe in putting out things that i cannot have my full stamp of approval on so this is the right timing for it and i think for me key indicator of when something is right is there's very little resistance mm -hmm. and that's not to say that resistance isn't present because there's always resistance. You're always going to have trials, but sometimes it's not the right time and life will let you know that because it just will not take off. 
and you're like, okay, I need to put this down. And that shouldn't be a discourager because you, again, you have to know yourself to know if you are backing down from a challenge or if it's just not the time. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a self thing. I, I can't give you the, the sauce for that, but I know that enough <laughs> about me. I can't, some things just, they ain't free. I just feel like the, the timing of my life for this to happen is right now. There's so many things that have kind of been put at bay for this to make sense now and I'm excited for it but that's one hopefully in that whole blurb of things one of the many the main things that people can take from that is to trust the timing of your life if you force something to happen before it's supposed to especially in your business it may cost you way more and it could take you years to get out of that kind of debt if you're doing something before it's time or before it makes sense I should say Mm -hmm, for sure. And it, first of all, it doesn't sound weird because I know you're like, this, this sounds weird. No, it didn't. It's divine timing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, I love that you mentioned little resistance. And what I want to clarify for those of you who are listening is Perry, when she's saying little resistance, she's not saying there will be little challenges. She's not saying that there won't be any challenges with this thing. What she means is that there, the resistance isn't there where it's like it, it flows, right? You are in a space and you know when you're in that space. And again, this isn't something that can be taught because it has to be something is self-reflection it's self-reflective and you have to understand that things come to you so you may be in a place i know a lot of people when they're writers and things they're like oh i have writer's block i have this i have that and that may be that resistance because now may not be the time for you to write it or maybe you need to get up and take a break maybe you've been focused on it too long but when things are in flow is when you know like that it's the time. And again, that doesn't mean that things aren't going to be difficult. That doesn't mean no. that you aren't going to have challenges. That doesn't mean that the shoe venture for her has been a walk in the park. But what it means is that she knows deep down because she feels that it is the time because, yeah, it, the, the resistance isn't there. So, yeah, in hindsight, I can see that there are so many things that needed to transpire before we got here because mm -hmm. this is, ten, this, they, what do they say? Um, and overnight success takes 10 years. This really is to the validity of that quote, 10 years in the making. I was, I started out customizing shoes, right? So to have this full circle moment really speaks to the timing of things because me five years ago wanted this. Me seven years ago wanted this. It just wasn't right. I had to create other products to bring it to the business side of things. I had to get more familiar with production in a different way starting with sunglasses in this sort of mass production way has definitely equipped me to now move into shoes because I understand the process differently. And offline, Gainette and I actually spoke about this in understanding that the mass production process of things is very different than anything else. And so we've kind of talked about it a bit with best period as well as with the sunglasses, but I don't think I would have been prepared to jump right into shoe manufacturing and the design process of that without the stepping stone of the sunglasses first because it gives you a better appreciation of how long things really take and how many errors you may have along the way and of course capital it's just so many different things that needed to transpire in between 2010 and now for this to finally make sense and it is absolutely not clear of hiccups at all <laughs> I love at all it. that's not what i mean by no resistance it just to your point which was a perfect one it just flows right now 
Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for it. And I love that you mm -hmm. mentioned like the offline. I'm forever talking to Perry on WhatsApp about my <laughs> and the hiccups it's with true. this, right? But I also want those of you who are listening who may, maybe you're in the process of creating a product right now and you're a year into business. Like everybody's story is different and everyone's timeline looks different. You may have different experiences that have led you to do this in a year, right? Or maybe you're in year 20 and you're like, oh man, she's doing it in 10 or, you know, it, that the timeline isn't nearly as important as what it is that you're developing over your years of living, right? So Perry has gotten experience and capital and all other things over these last 10 years that have made now, along with many other things, the perfect time to launch it. And I just don't want those of you listening think that if you're at the beginning of your venture, you can't be successful for no. like forever, right? That's not it. Maybe you've had you know, 20 years corporate experience that built you up to a place where you can run your own company successfully yeah. in the first year. I've seen people pay off hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and have a successful seven-figure business in a year, in two years, in three years. It happens. Yeah, right? so, every day. Yeah, so the I want you to understand there are exceptional cases and everyone is on their own timeline. So don't take the timelines too hard in that aspect. But what I want you to pay attention to is the fact that things do not happen overnight, right? No. So even if someone puts out something and this viral video is like an overnight success, if they do survive, like, cause let's catch, catch me on her side. No one knows her name. No one knows where she is. Right. But like the other videos where it's people putting things out, you don't see the behind the scenes. You don't know how much that camera equipment costs. You don't know how long they've been putting videos out and hoping someone found them funny. You don't know their backstory. And because of that, we need to stop looking at things like things that happen overnight. So you could potentially do something really fast, but understand that even that wouldn't be overnight because you've developed so many things along your lifetime that's allowed you to get to that place. So that wasn't overnight either. You are a, well, right now I'm a 33 year old success, right? So like it took 33 years for me to learn the things I know today that's allowing me mm -hmm. to do this cup venture. So understand that it's, everybody's moving in their own time. Someone may create a menstrual cup at 12. You don't know what or when your time is going to be to do certain things, but you're going to know when it is right. You don't know ahead of time, but you know the time it does happen. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want you to compare yourself to other people's journey because we're all on our own journey going to completely different destinations. So I need you to really think about what it is that you want and where you're going based on your own goals, based on the things you want to add to your community and the value you want to add to your own life and your family and the legacy you're building. And from there, go ahead and create. So that sounded like a bit of a tangent, but are you, are you following Perry? I'm right there. It all makes sense to me. But again, I feel like I'm listening to myself. So <laughs> I preach that heavily. So mm -hmm. I'm with you. And where can people find more about you and Gold the Label? Yes. Okay. So the, the website is www.goldthelabel.com. And then the business Instagram is at Gold the Label. And then my personal is that in reverse, which is at the Gold Label. I know that's a little bit confusing, but it's all outlined online. Or like I said, Google is your best friend. One quick search and there I am. <laughs> And I'll be linking all of this below in the show notes as well. And I'll be taking you on Instagram. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you've reached all the way to this point, make sure you tag us over on Instagram. So again, she is at gold the label for the business and at the gold label for her personal take them both tag me and yeah that's amazing it's one question i love to ask at the end of every single episode perry and that is what does freedom mean to you 
Uh, it's such a big one. Freedom is the confidence to show up as yourself. Freedom is the confidence to push past inhibitions. Freedom in a spiritual sense for me is understanding that you aren't condemned and there is no guilt or shame that you should walk in to inhibit you. Freedom is owning your purpose in this life and really emptying yourself completely. I feel like far too often the most valuable place on this earth and most expensive and rich place on this earth is the graveyard. People die with dreams unexplored, you know, things not actualized that they could have done, but for whatever reason they didn't. And I feel like once you own your freedom, however that looks for you, because I feel like everyone should define it individually because it is very subjective. Once you know what that is, you should walk in it completely. And in doing that, you will not feel fear in, in any regard. I, I'm very fearless. There's a lot of things I don't know how to accomplish, but I'm not afraid of those things ever. I feel like I can literally do any and everything. And if I sit down to really do it, I will. And that's not out of a place of arrogance. It's just a fact. And everyone can do that. I'm not special in that. So finding your freedom and really identifying it and then walking in it for yourself, I think is really key. So I gave a lot of characteristics of what freedom is. I hope that was easy to follow. <laughs> I'm sure they follow perfectly. And I have to clarify now because you said something in there. So when you say no fear, are you saying that you do not get nervous? I know someone's going to think, oh, she don't get nervous. She doesn't get nervous about doing things or, uh, not a, you know. Nervous and feelings of anxiety are human reactions, right? So I'm not, not human in that sense. Of course, I feel those things, but I move past that because mm -hmm. of the confidence I have in my abilities and in my greater purpose. So yes, I feel them, but it's very short lived. And if it is lingering, I work move through the anyways. fear. For sure. Yeah. Yes. As the old, well, the old adage, feel the fear and do it anyway. Exactly. And, I, and I think that may be like a gift too, because I know so many people get paralyzed by it. And sometimes I have to find, I have to find myself just stopping because I'm just like, just do it, you know? And I realize yeah. everyone can't do that. So if you are finding yourself in a place where you are feeling restrained and feeling like you can't move forward because you are trapped in fear, then again, that's where that reflection has to come yeah. in. And you have to find that confidence to move forward. Because I do think that our fears are going to change over time. We're not necessarily fears, but our nerves and things we're afraid of. I always say we have to build the butterflies in our stomach at home because they're there to stay. What was fear for you was afraid of two years ago may not you know, scare you now. I used to be terrified yeah. of video. I'm not afraid of video now, right? But you don't get to that stage until you move through it and you have to move through it. And the faster you move through it, the less impact it has on you and you can let it go quickly because yeah. you can't be afraid of something you've already done, right? Multiple times. Yeah. So anyway. I, to add to that, just because this is, something, this is something that I've left out, which I absolutely do. I question the fear because sometimes it really is nothing. It's something you've psyched yourself into feeling out of mm -hmm. making insecurity, but it's really nothing at all. But but a hindrance at the end of the day, which then is rooted a lot of times in just laziness. So it's like, question the fear. What exactly are you afraid of? And if it is rooted a lot of times for most people, if it is rooted in the reception from other people, why does their opinion matter? 
you know, or, and that's just one of the examples, but question the fear and find out if it's actually a real thing. And I think in many instances, you'll find that it's not. And then you get to, you get to go on with your life because that, that thing that was holding you back was like a shadow. Mm-hmm. And shadows ain't real. <laughs> and that just comes back to reflection, right? Having the time yeah. to stop and internalize what is this I'm feeling? Because you need to be feeling your feelings, right? We're not saying to push aside your feelings. Feel through all the feels, but understand that that reflection is necessary for you to move forward. So, so exactly. grateful to have you on here, girl. I'm glad yes. to have you. Thank you for popping on Freedom Slave Podcast. It's been great. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed this. Thank you. There you have it. So many gems in this episode. I told you Perry was a wise, wise soul at the beginning. I hope you enjoyed it and now you probably love her as much as I do. If you've gotten to this point, make sure you take a screenshot and take us over on Instagram so that we know you're listening. She's at the gold label is her personal and at gold the label, which is her business. And I'm at Gaynette over on Instagram and that's G-A-Y-N-E-T-E. Yep, only one T. Check next time. Okay, okay, I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you. 